wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. And on this episode, I have Michael Ryan, public land outdoorsman on Instagram. I like to take the mentality of just finding the nastiest, thickest stuff I can conceivably not get into and then try to find my way to get into it. Whether it's a thicket, a swamp, a marsh, or a bog, tangle of a chunk of big timber, a cedar thicket, anything. All the favor is in that of the animal that you're hunting because I'm in their world. I'm something new. I'm something different. Ground blinds are great, but could you imagine coming home and looking in your living room and there's a a new sofa and you're like, well, where'd that come from? The number one thing I can tell people is be patient. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this episode, I have Michael Ryan. And Michael is going to talk to us about hunting on public land. Michael's from Michigan. And uh, you guys may know him on Instagram as Public Land Outdoorsman. And uh, so we're excited to have Michael here because I grew up hunting public land. So I know the struggles, but I also know the success. Once you, you know, once you figure out an animal and you can hunt him or hunt her, depending on the type of hunter you are, and you make it all come together. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this in the past. Killing an animal isn't the success of hunting but it definitely makes it worthwhile. But, you know, hunting public land has many challenges and when you can make it come together and when it does come together, it's awesome. So, Michael, I'm really excited to have you on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a it's a absolute pleasure to be on. Good deal. So, you're up in Michigan. What part of Michigan are you in? Uh, currently, I'm located, I, I live in Oakland County, which is uh, southeast Michigan. Uh, but that does put me a good, within about two hours of a lot of really, really nice and large uh, tracts of uh, public land. That's awesome. Now, how old were you when you got started hunting? Um, it was pretty much been around my whole life, uh, but I started to take to it right around um, around 13, 14 years old, right? You know, that kind of curiosity of, you know, what your uncles and cousins are getting into. But um yeah, I'd, I'd say right around there, around that 14 years old was kind of where I really started keying in on it. Gotcha. No, that's, uh, I think a lot of people, as far as young men, they grow up around hunting as far as if you grow up in the country. And it's around that time frame, around that age when, like you said, your curiosity peaks and you really want to go out and, you know, you're, you want to become a man in a sense. And so... I think you have a very very similar story. And then also you hunt public land. Did you grow up hunting public land? Uh, Yes, actually. Still to this day, nobody in my family really owns any private, you know, huntable land, you know, aside from a couple of acres. But um, we do have a cabin way up in the UP, uh, which is the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is about 10... At 10 hours, nine and a half hours from where I live right now. So it's quite a drive. So it's not something you can get to on the weekend, but it is literally in the middle of absolute <laughs> nowhere. I mean, there's the nearest town is 17 miles away. We're about 50 miles southwest of Marquette. So we are 
in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it's been it's been for the most part public land for me since the very beginning. Nice. So you got across was that the Mackinac Bridge? Is that right? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I uh, I did some work. Uh, I used to work for a, a service company in the oil and gas industry, and they were based out of Kalkaska. And mm-hmm. uh, in the summers, I would come up to the uh, Cherry Festival there in Traverse City. So um, I'm somewhat familiar with the area. Not not super familiar, but I do know that a lot of people up there did talk about the Upper Peninsula, the UP. And yep. So one one question I have for you is up there in the UP, and this is kind of sidetracked of what our main topic is, but they have wolves up there, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Have you? Absolutely. It's actually getting quite over overpopulated up there uh, in, in probably the last 10 years or so. Now, is that something that, you know, in your doings that you've ran across wolves in the wild, or is that just something that, you know, you've heard about? Um, I've never laid eyes on them at, since they're, you know, obviously a, not, a lot more of a nocturnal uh, creature, but, um, pretty much a, any night at our cabin, you know, lights go down, you, you start hearing them howling all over. I mean, sometimes you can tell they're within a few hundred yards. Um, it's, it's, it's a little unnerving at first cause you hear the whole pack going to town with the howling, but, um, yeah, they're up there and it's, it's really making a noticeable difference on the deer herd. Um, my family, I'd say that hunts, there's probably about 14 to 16 of us between uncles and nephews and cousins and whatnot. And we're all noticing a, a drop in the, the, the quantity of deer you're seeing over season after season here, you know, making note of it and whatnot. Um, we think it's largely because of the wolf population, it's so unchecked up there and it's, the terrain is so rough, so hilly, so dense and thick and, and it's, it's really hard to hunt something like that, you know, or even, even the coyotes. Um, it's just, it's tough up there. Yeah. No, is there any type of season or no? Um, I've never looked into it cause it's not something I'm interested in. Um, but I know there's, there's like, uh, short seasons and, uh, special hunts and stuff like that. I'm not a hundred percent versed on that though. Cause it's, it's not something that really interests me much. Okay. All right. Now let's get back to what we brought you on here for. Let's talk about public land hunting. You said you got multiple tracks within a two hour radius of you. So that's really nice. I mean, it's not right there in your backyard, but it gives you options because hunting public land, you got to have, I mean, it's no, it's no different than hunting private land. You don't want to go hunt the same spot night after night, morning after morning. So, you know, you got to mix it up a little bit and having options is good. So when you're, you know, doing your summer scouting, your preseason scouting, what are some things that you're looking for as far as getting set up in that early October to try and pattern a buck? Um, well, one of the first things I key on, and I think it's it's often overlooked in in not just Michigan but any public land situation, is 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 you almost got to hunt where the people are not, and. I think that the idea is, is, well, I'll just go deep with no, you know, I'll go a mile back. Nobody, nobody else is going there. Well, in today's, today's hunting, uh, world, everyone's got a phone, everyone's got, you know, uh, a hunting app. So everybody has access to see the terrain features, the thickets, the swamps, the marshes. Um, and 
I think that's that old theory of just, I'll just go deep, you know, pick a spot on a map, walk a mile and, and look for sign. It's like a needle in a haystack now because there's other people doing it. It's, it's, it's almost not as easy as it once was probably five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, so for, for sign wise, it's almost, I like to take the, uh, the mentality of just finding the nastiest, thickest stuff I can, I can, I can conceivably not get into and then try to find my way to get into it. Whether it's a thicket, a swamp, a marsh, a bog, a, just a tangle of a chunk of, of a big timber, uh, a cedar thicket, anything from there, you got to figure if it's less likely there are people in there, you're more likely to sign, find deer sign. And more often than not, that's that's proven correct. Um, whether it's rubs, scrapes, droppings, uh, you know, just actual deer trails, you know, walking paths. Um, but for me, as I've really uh, took it on the, the mobile hunter's role in the last probably five years or so, six years or so, um, I just I look where people are likely not to be the farthest I can get from walking trails, horse trails, roads, you know, the better. So it's, it's once you, once you get to those spots, it's, it's looking for the sign. But for me, it's just avoiding people. Okay. Now that makes sense. Now, do you find that a, a deer that you you might be hunting in early season, you know, early October, by the time late October, November rolls around, they still kind of have a core area, but they're they're moving around more because of the pressure or do or yeah. are they moving around less but they're they've kind of moved you know to avoid any type of hunting pressure is that something that you've noticed yeah i've noticed you know as the as the seasons jump upon us you know the, the first week of october right at that that gun hunting season starting in mid-november that's when the deer tend to get pushed around a little more just because the influx in in hunters in the woods um, but it tends to settle down. So it's almost like an ebb and a flow. You, know, you get that, 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 that increase of deer movement because they're getting pushed and bumped around. But the weeks in between those spikes is great hunting because they will find a spot and they will settle into it because they know there's no people there. So if you can key in on that, their bedroom, if you will, they're going to retreat to their safest, most secure spots in the woods if you can identify that in your, like you mentioned in your, your, your preseason scouting, your summer scouting, even, even your in-season scouting, you should always be scouting, no matter whether you got a weapon in your hand or not, always be scouting. But if you can identify those spots that they're going to retreat to when the pressure is there, then you've already got a leg up on not only your, you know, the other hunters, in the woods, but the animal itself, because you know, almost well not know, but you're going to anticipate where they may be you know, in a higher percentage situation. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So is it something that you think as far as, you know, the hunting apps, whether it be the Onyx, the hunt stands, is that something that I know a lot of people tend to use, but is that something that's actually really beneficial for finding these terrain features? Uh, yeah, I believe uh, it's really, as the apps have evolved, they're really getting into the uh, the topography part of it. it. You know, a handful of years back, it was really just about having the vision of the woods. and But now they're really getting to, like, 3D scanning of, like, the land and stuff. And you can really physically see the rise and drop of land before you even set boots on ground. 
And, you know, if you've ever hunted whitetail, you know the importance of how they move on ridges and saddles and, you know, uh, creatures of edge and everything that, that they are. That in itself is is an amazing feature. I myself use uh, HuntWise. I've been um, working with them since about 2018 exclusively. And um, they have a feature on their their app where it's it allows you to take a a slice of the map you're looking at and, and basically look at it any way in like a full 360 environment and really just focus on the way the land flows towards, you know, whether it be a Creek bottom or, a, or maybe a, a food plot or just a different change in timber. That that's something that's, that's to me, that's more valuable than just saying, Hey, this lets me identify, you know, a river or, you know, a, an Oak flat or something like that. Yeah. Now you had mentioned, you know, edges and saddles and ridges won't you elaborate on that a little bit as far as what you're looking for when you come upon a saddle what 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 are some features you're keying in on um well for one you always try i always try to find where if you can find their bedding area you know whether they're 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 sleeping up on the top of that towards the point to try to catch the prevailing wind coming over so they can you know keep their eyes down below get the, the scent and stuff coming over the top of the, the, the ridge. Um, if you've ever hunted whitetail long enough, you know they love little flat spots in between a low ground, whether it be a swamp or a marsh, and a high ground and a ridge. They love that because that gives them a, a really great uh, escape route. Whether you're coming from below, they can see you. If the wind's not cooperating that way, they can hear you. And the same thing with coming above, they'll be able to hear you or smell you depending on the wind. But that nice flat terrain, that saddle, if you will, allow them to kind of skedaddle left or right or get out of town long before you ever lay eyes on them so if you can identify that that will help you if you you know you can track your wind on these apps or you know google map or anything like that but if you can track your wind you can identify those saddles you can come at them from hopefully a direction that maybe they won't be anticipating and if you can zone in on if that's an am or a pm type of area where they're going to be then it's even better because you can be in there waiting for them if you're a tree stand hunter or an ambush hunter or anything like that. No, that makes sense. I like it. Now, as far as the uh, edges, so something that for me personally, um, you know, they like as far as from what I've experienced, they like to walk an edge, especially if there's a creek bottom down below them or any type of steep ravine. I've noticed that if you can get set up along that edge, Chances are, if you can, like you said, pinpoint where they're bedded and pinpoint where their food source is and you can get somewhere along that edge, you're going to have a pretty close 10, 20-yard bow shot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's almost, you don't want to look at like you're, you're cornering them or trapping them, but you're eliminating one of the areas where they can escape, whether it be like you said, a creek or a river or an extreme terrain feature and anything, maybe even a road. Um or something to that effect. Uh, so by just kind of like utilizing the land's natural ebbs and flows to your advantage is, is key. And I, I think a lot of people are just now getting into that. Like for myself, the last two seasons, I've really looked for uh, river features that have like oxbows in them or switchbacks, depending on what part of the country you're from. They change the name. But so those tend to be areas where a buck will, will herd a doe during you know the rut during the mating season and again if that's something you can identify pre pre-season inner season whatever it might be and set up in a spot like that and you know you, you scout it 
you can find the sign, you find the tracks, the beds, the rubs, the scrapes, the poop, everything. And you can identify as the hot spot. If you can be in that bedroom when he comes home for the night with his lady, well, <laughs> he can seal the deal a lot easier than if you're just kind of going in saying, well, it's just a block of woods with a river run through it. I don't know what to do with that information. Tying that in with all the other stuff you get on apps nowadays, you know, marking your marking all the sign you see. It just helps create a really nice picture of places that are just natural hotbeds for for deer sign. That's really valuable information right there. That makes a lot of sense. And um, is that something that you picked up reading in a book, watching YouTube or just trial by error? Um, I do a lot of my, my research, like, you know, a lot of the younger folks these days watching YouTube videos and stuff. Um, and I, I think you almost in the modern hunting world, you have to, yeah. right? Cause I mean, in the old, old days, you, you got all your information from your, your family and your friends, you know, your uncles, your aunts, all them, them fellers. And, um, in today's world as the, as the deer have evolved and the more, you know, hunter and technology has also evolved. This is an advantage that we we've never had before in the history of, of, of the hunting game, you know, and the entire history of, of, of hunting these animals we've never had this knowledge available at the click of a you know a, your cell phone or a tv remote so i do get a lot of it off of uh off tv i watch a lot of uh, the hunting public um the lone wolf guys um but i do watch a lot of shows about guys who hunt out west you know in the or in the the big flats out in like wyoming and stuff like that the tactics aren't always applicable to the big woods like here in michigan but the logic is the same. Yeah. You're, you're really trying to anticipate where the deer might be in a given situation. And anytime you can increase your percentages, I mean, that's, that's, you're already winning at the game. It's yeah. just being at the right place at the right time. But yeah, my, myself, I, I'd like to say I could sit down and read, read, you know, Peterson's bow hunting like I used to when I was younger, but with kids and jobs and hobbies, um, a lot of it comes from YouTube uh, videos and stuff these days. Oh, and that makes sense. It really does. And, you know, you you said it. Any advantage you can give yourself, you're going to go for it. And the way I look at it is when it comes to deer hunting or hunting in general, I mean, the, all the favor is in that of the animal that you're hunting. At least I feel that way. 100%. Because I'm I'm in their world, right? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a stranger. I'm, I'm something new. I'm something different. I've told people all the time, you know, ground blinds are great and I love using them and we utilize them as much as possible. But could you imagine coming home and looking in your living room and there's a, (laughs) a, a, something new, like maybe a new sofa (laughs) and you're like, well, where'd that come from? I've walked through this living room how many times in my lifetime now, (laughs) you know, and then all of a sudden there's something new. There's something different. I mean, we notice when somebody moves the couch, you know, six inches. So you can imagine what they think when there's a big green blob that was never there before, you know? Exactly. And, you know, you do everything you can to brush it in and to remove that silhouette and do things that yeah. you know, hopefully over time they get used to it. But yeah, I mean, I, and I'm not knocking hunting with a ground. Blind. No, it, 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 it works. works. It works every year. I mean, I, I can drive by the closest spot spot of public to me is probably about 25 minutes from my house. It's just a bunch of ag fields. The uh, DNR puts in changes between corn and, and, and beans every other year. It's, it's literally still in a residential area. It's, it's probably 400 acres, not a massive area, but every year sure as the sun comes up, there's pop-up blinds there on opening day. 
whether it's gun or bow, and they're within 100 yards of the road just sitting on the side of these fields. And maybe people have success with that. I don't know. For me, that doesn't seem like a, that doesn't entice me to want to hunt that way. Uh, maybe that's the, maybe they have a disability. I'm not sure. And, and like you said, not knocking it because way more deer have been killed out of ground blinds than tree stands in the history of you know the game. Um, but it's just it's got to be you got to scare away the ones you're really after. You know the big the big bucks or the mature doe stuff like that. They're they're just they're wise. They're hip to that game. They know that's not supposed to be there. The, the the young ones, the year and a half year olds, yeah, they're still kind of naive and, and not wise to the way they haven't had an arrow flung at them yet or any uh any any you know uh rifle shots cracked at them. So, but yeah, it is it's got to be something that's that's it's a little obvious. Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, most definitely. Now, what would be some you know I guess what's the, I'm looking for the right word here, but what would be some information that some advice for someone who is just getting into hunting or maybe is hunting private land all their life. And now, now they got to go to public land. Is there anything that you think could be the game changer that, you know, some advice that you say, all right, definitely don't do this. Or is that kind of a more of a per area basis? Um, Yes and no. I I think generally speaking, you're 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 somebody who's who's now just exposed to public land. Nine and a half times out of ten, it's going to be just big timber. There's not much open public, uh, you know, ag fields here in Michigan. That's just just not the way the the land is laid out here. Um, but I guess across the board in general, not saying specifically Michigan, the number one thing I can tell people, and I I tell guys that at work who are new to the sport or guys who took years off and are interested in getting back into it is be patient. And I know that's tough because it's exciting because we watch YouTube videos of guys stalking, you know, 160 inch bucks in their state or in this, in the state here in Michigan. And, you know, you read the articles and it's, it's exhilarating. It's adrenaline pumping, but man, it's, it's take your time, be slow and don't move. You know, all, all this stuff, this, this modern, um, mobile hunting thing is, it, it, it took me when I adjusted to this more mobile hunting style, it took me a couple seasons to learn to just be extra careful, extra thoughtful. I'm not talking, watch every step in the woods. You can still use your general movement, but just slow down your thinking, slow down your, your, your heart rate. Don't, don't get too caught up in it. Really sit down, enjoy it and appreciate the hunt the actual thing you're doing you're not waiting it's not like fishing you can just turn the motor around and fly to a different part of the lake it doesn't right. work like that with hunting so just slow down take your time really look at the way the land is whether it's deer sign the topography like we touched on earlier um the wind patterns if if you if you're familiar with thermals pay attention to that just slow down the the, the game you're still operating at the deer's at the deer's speed. If you go faster, it's it's causing trouble. You have to work at their speed. And if you ever watch a deer graze around in the woods, you've ever had the the luck of just actually being able to sit and watch them, whether it's a hunting situation or not. They don't move fast. They're moving at a real, um, you know, 
there, there's a certain cadence to their movement. If you can, I try to match that myself. I try to make my movement, my pace in the woods, everything at a real nice, calm pace, just slow down. That makes sense. And I, I tell you what, that's really valuable and useful information. And I appreciate that. Now, my, Michael, if uh, our listeners wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? I think uh, the best way would be through the Instagram uh, you know, channel. That's just probably the one I'm on the most. I don't have a personal website or I do have a YouTube, but I don't like communicate much on them besides through comments, but it would be on the Instagram through the, the public land outdoorsman Instagram uh, page. And that's public underscore land underscore outdoorsman, correct? That is absolutely correct. All right. So to any of our listeners that do want to reach out and if you have any type of uh, any other questions that we may not have covered here, um, reach out to Michael and uh, or myself, but definitely reach out to Michael. He knows what he's talking about here and uh, definitely has been very valuable in, uh, in this episode. And we definitely appreciate you being on. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I, I look forward if anyone wants to reach out, you know, if, if you're local and you want to want to meet up, you know, in the summer here have any questions scouting get together and hunt I, I film all my hunts i've been telling a lot of guys in my my social circle whether it's work or in my hunting community if you guys got a you're, you're on a hot deer and you want it you want it documented if i'm not busy let me know i'm i'm glad to throw on my saddle climb up a tree sit in the ground blind with you i just want to exp- as many people as i can experience this this joy and this blessing we have of, of being able to be out in nature with these these wonderful creatures and yeah, just reach out, get at me, guys. Let's 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 enjoy it until you know one day. Hopefully, it's always going to be here. But uh, you know, God forbid it ever wasn't. Let's make the memories we be- best we can. Absolutely. Now, Michael, this is a question that I ask everybody that comes on. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would you go, and what would you hunt? Oh boy, I think I I run a pretty simple answer on that one. I would ideally like to spend about a week hunting in Iowa for some just big old whitetail. I, I'm I'm not a man of extravagant needs. You know, some people love love Africa and all that kind of stuff. I just want to really hunt. That's something I've always seen videos, read articles, and I know some friends who have been out there, and they say it's an absolute blast. So for me, that would be just hunting same same species I hunt here in Michigan, but just over there in iowa that would be just an absolute dream i like it i like it the land of big old white tails that's right baby all right well michael we appreciate you coming on here and uh it's been a blessing to to sit down and talk with you and i really do appreciate you coming on absolutely i've enjoyed every minute of it to all of our listeners we just want to say thank you again for week after week showing up and man i tell you what y'all are a blessing to us and we do appreciate it And as always, keep hunting and keep doing what God calls you to do. Thank you for listening to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you'd like to follow, you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Hunt Day and Facebook at Stephen Robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.